Hi, this is Dr. Daniels, Just and welcome to Healing with Dr. Daniels. It is Sunday, July 14th, 2019. We've got the Facebook working, we think. And we're going to go live. See what happens. Oh my God, we're live. Hi, Facebook. All right. It is still Sunday, July 14th, 2019. And have we got a show today. A lot of times, uh, you know, in life, there are problems. But, how about when the problems, the solution to the problem is more of the problem itself? That's like, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And so today, uh, we have such a topic. So the medical industrial complex have decided, and uh, we're all thrilled that they've made the decision that people are taking too many drugs. Just just too many drugs. People are taking too many drugs. Now, probably you would think that the solution for taking too many drugs would be uh, uh, taking fewer drugs. (laughs) That's what I would think. But apparently, we did not get the memo. So what we're going to do is take a look at the medical industrial complex and their view on what is too many drugs and uh, kind of, uh, you know, what ought to be done about it. Because they've, they've, got, they've got lots of actions, lots of ideas about, you know, actions that need to be taken and These actions are often codified in something called the uh, standard of care. So what we want to take a look at is what the latest uh, standard of care is concerning this too much drug problem. And the thing is, like I say, you can't make this stuff up, and uh, <laughs> their idea, not mine. And so today's topic is, when taking more drugs becomes a cure for too many drugs. Right. Medical industrial complex has got a cure for too many drugs. Now, the first thing to get a grip on is, you know, what's uh, what's too many, what, what do you mean by too many, too many drugs? We actually have a definition. So if a person is taking more than five drugs or more, it's called polypharmacy. And the this is something that has to be looked into, has to be investigated, and there are steps, steps that need to be taken. And the nice thing is uh, there's this company called Express Scripts. Yes. They used to be owned by uh, Merck, I believe. And, of course, ownership changed, 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 but now it's Express Scripts have no particular affiliation with drug companies. And so it says, well, what's polypharmacy? And polypharmacy, they say, is the use of the number of medications commonly considered to be the use of five or more. And so it's a consequence of having several underlying medical conditions. This is, again, this is a medical industrial complex. This is their perspective. My perspective is <laughs> it's a consequence of not treating the underlying condition. 
but I digress. And it's much more common in elderly patients. Again, it says it's much more common. Actually common across all age groups, but more common in elderly patients. All right, so, so 30% to 40% of elderly patients take five or more medications. Wow. An analysis of elderly beneficiaries of a large government health plan, uh, excuse me, that would be Medicare. Okay, it's only one large government health plan for the elderly. It's called Medicare. So just call it Medicare. Document the use of multiple medications among users. And it document the use of multiple medications. This lets you know that when you take a medicine, it's being uh, tabulated, it's being monitored, you're being basically spied upon. You know, this information is being collected and collated for some use other than your personal benefit, because, of course, no one asked you, right? Okay. And so among users of the pharmacy benefit, the average number of medications was six per user. That's the average. 47% used five or more medications. 13% used 10 or more, and 3% used 15 or more. The term implies an assumption that using one or more of these medicines may be questioned or unnecessary. Thus, polypharmacy also can be defined as the use of more medicines than are clinically indicated. So way back when, this is like dark ages, right? 1979, year of our Lord. Uh, I was in medical school, and we were told that you should never, ever prescribe a drug for a side effect of the first drug. So if you prescribe a drug, it has side effects. You should not prescribe a drug for those side effects. Instead, you should reduce the dose of the first drug or stop it altogether. That's what was taught in medical school in 1979 because you don't want to chase your tail and just start treating problems that you are creating by prescribing drugs. So this was 1979. So by the time 1983 came around, it's only four short years. You know, I'm, I was getting ready to graduate from medical school. I said, wait, 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 wait. Uh, we changed our mind. It's okay to prescribe a drug with tons of side effects as long as you have a drug or treatment for the side effects. So if you don't, if the, if it does not exist, a drug or treatment of the side effect, then the old rules apply, reduce the dose or stop the drug. But if we have a drug, in other words, if there's economic opportunity from the side effect, then you need to prescribe that drug for the side effect. So just few, four short years, the philosophy totally changed. And uh, it was common to see people on 9, 10, 15 drugs. And even you have to ask yourself, they're, they're saying polypharmacy is five or more, but these are prescription drugs. So many people are using over-the-counter versions of prescription drugs. And so you add in the over-the-counter drugs with the prescription drugs, and easily you get to a number of uh, five, 10, sometimes even 20. Okay, so polypharmacy is common. It's a big problem, and they said medication that is not clinically indicated. That means medication that is not required for the person's health or to improve or relieve the disease that they complained of. And that's, that's an important concept. So no question, people are taking too many drugs. This is, this is the medical industrial complex's position and the position of a company that itself dispenses drugs. 
So we're going we're gonna to take their word for this. <laughs> now let's see what they think. Why do they think all these drugs are being prescribed? Well, so one problem is the, doc, is the patient has many coexisting, that means at the same time, medical conditions. That's, that's one problem. And they said, well, another one is the patients see different physicians for their medical problems. Excuse me, specialization, right? So the patient doesn't have a choice about that. For example, when I was in family practice, I was literally not allowed to treat conditions that I just, this is really easy. Not a problem. I can treat this. No, 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 no. I had to refer them to the specialist. That was the standard of care. And, of course, they would come back from the specialist with at least three drugs. So you can see how this works, right? So by the time you get to two specialists, you're already into polypharmacy. So in addition, one disease like heart failure or diabetes can have a combination or several drugs. All right. So one, they see different positions. And this can because, be because specialists often, often focus on their area of expertise rather than the patient as a whole. Well, that's why they specialize. <laughs> Stupid. Is philosophically, the medical industrial complex has decided that it needs to focus on each, each organ system or disease separately rather than the patient as a whole. And then when they decide it's time to focus on the patient as a whole, do they just say, okay, let one doctor handle it? No, 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 no. Now all six doctors get in a room, have a conference, and charge the insurance company for the conference meeting. Yeah, you got it. But anyway, that, let's continue. <laughs> Another reason for polypharmacy is the documentation of why a medicine was prescribed initially is often missing in the medical record. Making decisions to consider ending a treatment difficult to make. Now, as a result, there's a tendency for doctors to let patients continue the medicines they are taking, especially if the reason for taking the medicine is unclear or unknown. Again, this is specious. This is written by somebody who's just papering over the whole thing. But you can read the PDR for certain deadly drugs like blood thinners, and they will say, the only doctor who can stop this drug is the one who started it. Well, come on. So here the patient is, six months down the road, specialist who prescribed it is on vacation, patient's bleeding to death. Oh, no, no, we have to keep, keep, keep the blood thinner going. So literally written in the PDR is do not stop this medicine unless you contact the doctor who started it, which is, which is ridiculous, when you, especially when you have a life-threatening situation. Um, the other thing is written, it's written right in the PDR. You can read it, many, many drugs. Don't stop this medicine suddenly. Taper it slowly. We don't want to lose our revenue abruptly. No, 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 no. Just, just taper it slowly, if at all. So uh, what they don't mention here is that the doctor's hands are often tied by the standard of care in terms of He's not able to stop the medicine because he's not the specialist, even though he can see it's harmful and not needed. Uh, the PDR explicitly says only the doctor prescribing it can stop it. And now with doctors working um, emergency room shifts, doctors as employees who are not on call, not available after hours, weekends, or holidays, that's a pretty dangerous uh, statement to make. And that you can't stop a medicine because you don't know why the patient's taking it. That seems to me an excellent reason to stop it. 
you know, it's like looking at your household budget and saying, oh, there's just uh, there's just $300 a month that's going someplace, and we don't know why we're spending it on that. Uh, that would be a good reason to stop spending the money. Yeah. <laughs> but with drugs, eh. The consequences of polypharmacy is the patients at much higher risk of adverse drug effects read death. Okay, death. Right. Moreover, if an adverse effect emerges, it can be very difficult to figure out which of the many drugs is the cause. Uh, really? Dude, do you have a physician's desk reference? Do you have a medicine book? I mean, you can look up each drug. You can read the pages right there and see which drugs have side effects that are the same as the disaster or emergency that has emerged. This is very straightforward. For example, blood sugar too low is probably the diabetes medicines. But again, they're saying, hey, you know, this polypharmacy is so complicated. It's so complicated. <laughs> it's actually pretty simple. So what can be done about it? This is a shocking, uh, you know, set of what to do about it. So what to do about it is review the medications for patients But how often? They just say review the medicines. But here's the clincher. Every time there's a medication review, the patient needs a doctor visit. And so there's a, you know, a ka-ching, ka-ching. So let me uh, list the recommendations of just what they're saying should be done if a person has polyphonics. First of all, Take an accurate medication history and medical history. All right. That means get a list of all the drugs they're taking. Get a list of all the afflictions they have. Got that. Gotcha. Link each prescribed medication to a disease state. That means now you've got a bunch of uh, words on a page and you've got to draw lines. Okay, so we're drawing lines. Identify medications that are treating side effects. All right. Got that. Initiate interventions to ensure adherence. What? I'll repeat that. Initiate intervention to ensure adherence. What's adherence? That means <coughs> to ensure that the patient is taking every single medicine as prescribed. Well, it seems to me that would make polypharmacy even worse because you'd like this person to skip a few pills. They'd probably be safer and better off. Then reconcile medications upon any discharge from hospital or skilled nursing facility. Reconcile medications? How's that going to help? Reconcile means make one unique list of all the medications a patient is taking. Well, you still have a list of 5, 10, or 20 medicines. Haven't solved the problem. Uh, this, to me, is absolutely shocking. Um, if anything, this would make the problem much, much, much worse. And, again, this is not just a polypharmacy problem. This is actually a medical problem. I say medical problem, I mean often the very problems the patient has, he's given a prescription for a drug that actually makes it directly worse. And a lot of people like to say, well, you know, this drug does more harm than good. Excuse me, what good does it do? Is there any good being done? And that's really what they are saying in, I won't say so many words, in a lot of words, in paragraph after paragraph after paragraph, is people are taking drugs that are doing them absolutely no good and only doing them harm. And this is why uh, medical care in the United States is the third leading cause of death. That's their numbers. My number puts them at the first leading cause of death. But hey, I'll take their numbers. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be generous about this. Uh, 
So the medical industrial complex itself confesses to being the third leading cause of death. Why? Right here, polypharmacy. Putting people on drugs that do them zero good and only do them harm. So what is, what's the answer? So look at for you, I went to medical school at a, as you can see, transition time, right? So when I entered medical school, polypharmacy was a bad thing, drug side effects, cut out or reduce or stop the drug. By the time I graduated, it was the more the better. Yeah, side effect, no problem. Give another drug, another drug, another drug. Okay. So what this meant was I actually got to interact with the old timers. So there are some old timers hanging around. And I say to them, hey, hey, this stuff is not adding up. Like this friggin' makes no sense at all. And they would say, well, uh, <laughs> you're right. And I'd say, well, what did you guys used to do? What did you guys used to do? And they told me. So when they had a patient who had polypharmacy that was five or more drugs, and they had a medical uh, adverse event, in other words, maybe they would go into heart failure, maybe they'd pass out and be unconscious, whatever. In the old days, they stopped every friggin' single drug. Every single drug. They would stop it. Admit the patients, well, the patient's already a disaster. They're in the hospital, right? They'll stop every drug, do enemas, and then only resume the drugs that were obviously needed due to an emergence of symptoms. I said, oh, that's really interesting. They said, mm-hmm. And usually we found we didn't have to restart any of the drugs. <laughs> These are the old timers. And so these old timers were around when I was entering medical school in 79. So it was nothing but old timers. And by the time I graduated in 83, there were, of course, you might guess, much fewer old timers. And these people, these doctors who, who had 20, 30 years of practice, many of them were retiring. And so our professors, this is in 83 when I graduated, were, you know, getting very young. When I say getting very young, I mean, they were like 30s, in their 30s, basically. And they were steeped in this new logic or rationale. The other crisis that was happening in the medical industrial complex at this time was this proliferation of specialists, of hospitals, of medical centers, of doctors' offices. And it was pretty obvious that unless the mode of practice changed drastically that there really wouldn't be any work for us graduating physicians. And so, of course, the answer, the obvious answer, was specialization, where now each patient, instead of having one doctor, would have five or even ten doctors. Uh, my mother had a simple ulcer on her leg. When we come back, uh, we'll talk more. We are going to commercial. Folks, we're living in a world the likes of which we've never perceived any clearer than we do now. The plan for global governance has been in the works for generations and would have likely been achieved by now but for the fact that the globalists left open their Achilles heel. 
with all their tools, Federal Reserve System, fiat currency, no child left behind, and then Common Core education introduced to our schools to dumb us down. Vaccines, pharmaceuticals to lobotomize us, GMO foods, insertion of compromised or bought and paid for politicians, judges, mainstream media propaganda, all pieced together like a puzzle designed to ultimately bring the world under submission. But with all their strategy, they forgot one thing, knowledge and knowledge is power. With knowledge, their bombardment is nullified. Folks, with that, as brilliant and knowledgeable as you've become, among the wisest audience of any radio audience in the world, and you are, I want you to take a moment to reflect and ask yourself, how much of that knowledge did I obtain from Republic Broadcasting Network? How high has my consciousness been raised since I've been a listener? How fast am I now able to discriminate truth from fake news by being a Republic Broadcasting listener? How clear am I now able to see the world since I've been listening to RBN? Ask yourselves those questions, folks. Then ask yourself, what is that knowledge worth to me? Like my morning coffee, how would I survive without it? A voice of truth and a sea of lies. Do we not all need to make sure it survives? Like public broadcasting, we are now finding we can only survive with listener support. Censorship, advertisers being attacked, truth itself being attacked. It's the only way through this. We at Republic Broadcasting humbly ask you to become a supporter. Look at your budget and make a determination of what Republic Broadcasting is worth to you and what you can afford on a monthly basis. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and pledge 20, 30, 40, 50, if possible, 100 a month or more if it's affordable. Click the Donate button and become a regular monthly donor. Assure both us and yourself that Republic Broadcasting Truth will continue to flow like that morning coffee. The network thanks you. It's happening, ladies and gentlemen. We here at RBN are working with Front Sight Firearms Training Institute to bring our audience the best in combat, tactical, and defensive firearms training. Whether you're a private citizen who is new to firearms or you have a concealed weapon permit and want a level of training that surpasses what you've received from your local gun range, Front Sight provides priceless education and skills taught by seasoned law enforcement, military, and private citizen instructors to levels that far exceed law enforcement and military standard. With nearly a million responsible citizens trained from every town, city, and state from across the United States, Front Sight has bolstered the Patriot movement to a whole new level. Contact Dan Sutterfield by phone at 573-762-2356 or 573-465-2356 or shoot him an email at domedan, D-O-M-E-D-A-N, at hotmail.com. This is a limited time opportunity. Don't miss it. Give such delight. We all leave before morning light. Please don't go. No, please Hi, don't Dr. Daniels, and welcome back to Healing with Dr. Daniels. Before commercial, I say that my, my mother, with one problem, one problem, a little hole in her skin, calling an ulcer. Um, she actually had uh, five doctors. <laughs> I kid you not, five doctors. The one doctor was, was uh, the blood pressure doctor, uh, the general doctor. One doctor was the wound care clinic, which was a whole staff. Then there was the vascular uh Surgeon. Then there was another wound care specialist, and um, then there were supervisors over the care that the home visiting nurses were giving and changing the bandage. So it really took uh, five doctors. And so, of course, 
at the end of it all, mom was taking at least five drugs. And sure enough, uh, the drugs were making her pretty darn sick. And in the end, we just stopped them all, and she did perfectly fine. In fact, much, much, much better. But uh, this polypharmacy is something that you really can't blame on the patient except that they chose to show up at all. And that's pretty much the patient's part in it. So as a uh, human being who does not want to be subjected to this deadly process, the only answer is to not show up because the medical industrial complex is designed to create polypharmacy. Each specialist has to prescribe at least one drug in order to get paid. And you got five specialists on a job, well, there you have it. So that is uh, the whole design slash reimbursement problem is the issue. Now, again, if you didn't have insurance, if the doctors didn't have to uh, prescribe a drug in order to get paid, then this problem would not be nearly as, as severe. Also, without the insurance issue, the doctor would not be so tightly bound to the standard of care. So when it came to the standard of care or the person's health, the doctor would say, well, let me just let this person live a little longer. But because of the organization and the different pressures in the doctor, it's really negative and really bad uh, for the patient. So as we usually do at this time in the show, we talk about what's a person to do? Well, the simplest thing to do is to uh, not show up. That's so, so, so important. That realize that whatever uh, your problem is, the medical industrial complex is most likely not the solution. And that's a tough, a tough pill to swallow after so much um, indoctrination, you know, from sitcoms, movies, drama shows, and, you know, this whole genre of the uh, doctor drama uh, TV shows. So you really have to turn off all of that input and instead focus on your observation. What's the observation? Went to the doctor, didn't get any better. That's, a good, that's an important observation. But when you have that one observation competing with fake observations created by media and you're giving equal weight to all these observations, then it becomes it really clouds your judgment. But if you if, if you can understand that, yes, you're sick. Yes, you have a problem. But no, drugs are not the answer. <laughs> no more than, you know, injecting heroin on the street might be an answer for a teenager with a stubbed toe. It's just not the answer. Drugs are just not the answer. And so I think if people can just help, if they can convince themselves somehow that drugs are not the answer, then that would go a long way towards preventing polypharmacy. In other words, when a doctor offers you a drug, the answer is, your response should always be, well, what else can we do? Well, what else can we do? Well, what else can we do? And so if you go through the what else can we do, 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 and that's your, that's your line, well, what else can we do? Well, what else can we do? And uh, again, first, it don't even show up, don't even have the conversation. But if you find yourself in the company of a physician in a doctor's office, in a hospital, what are you going to do? And the answer is, what else can we do? And you keep asking these questions, and you'll be surprised. Sometimes doctors actually come up with something that makes some sense. Um, so the first thing is, is if you find yourself in a patient-doctor interaction, 
which again, you should, you should avoid that at all costs. <laughs> because once you have that interaction, you have no win. You've at least had, sustained a financial loss, and it's unlikely you'll sustain any medical benefit, and it's very likely you will sustain medical harm. And again, that's what it means when seeing your doctor and following his instruction is the third leading cause of death. And this is, again, this is the medical industrial complex. This is their numbers. And then even if you take their numbers, you have to say, wait a minute, they're really the first leading cause of death because the number they settle on, which is like 350,000 deaths a year, that's a lot of killing, um, those deaths aren't counted as industry deaths. They are counted as heart attack, cancer, okay? So if you take that 350,000, subtract it from the second leading cause of death, then boom. Um, medical industrial complex is actually the first leading cause of death. Once you realize that all those deaths caused by following doctor's instructions are labeled as hypertension, stroke, heart attack, cancer, pneumonia, all these other names that is given when actually the real cause of that person's death was their medical therapy. So if you realize that, then you know that this 350,000 deaths a year that the medical industrial complex freely admits to, freely admits to. <laughs> they even sent out a letter to all the doctors, hey, you guys, you're the third leading cause of death. Many doctors just got upset about it. Oh, let's not talk about that. Um, and you realize that in the official statistics, that number is actually listed as zero. Then you have to subtract that number from one of the other causes of death just to be mathematically correct because you can't just say I have 100% of something and then, oh, here's 30% we forgot to count. Oh, no, no. If you forgot to count that 30%, that means somewhere in this 100%, something was mislabeled. All right, so if we take the medical industrial complex, again, face value, questioning nothing, they are the third leading cause of death. And the cause of death in the United States, you look at it, nowhere does it say iatrogenic or doctor-caused or hospital-related death. Mm -mm, mm -mm. So then you have to take the number that they freely admit to, 350,000, subtract it from the second leading cause of death, which is cancer, about 560,000. So subtract 350,000 from 550,000, then you get what? 200,000 cancer death, and boom. The second leading cause of death becomes doctor-caused cause of death. Okay, so You've got to convince yourself of this just to have the courage not to show up. <laughs> and some people say, oh, Dr. Daniels, what if I'm really sick? Oh, if you're really sick, you think they're going to save you? No. If you're really sick, they're going to administer a very expensive finishing move. You know, like, done. So it makes even less sense to see the doctor when you're actually very sick. The sicker you are, they're like, well, I don't know. If this is going to kill a healthy person, what's it going to do to a sick person? So you really need to, in your mind, be very methodical in your reasoning. And that is the number one way to protect yourself from this. So, and the first thing to do is not to agree to even the first drug. 
Um, if we take a simple drug, um, proton pump inhibitors, these are prescribed for people with indigestion, gastroesophageal reflux, or GERD disease. Common, common, common. But what happens? You take this drug for your indigestion, and what does it cause? Oh, a little depression. It's not you're not an antidepressant. And then if you're a guy, it'll cause impotence. Oh, now we have to take, well, a little purple pill. So we have got three or four drugs here already. And actually the real the real gateway drug is aspirin. So you take the aspirin, then you need the proton pump inhibitor for your indigestion. Then you need the antidepressant. Then you need uh, some Viagra. And then um, you develop some uh, kidney problems, maybe a little blood pressure problems, and now you're on a fifth drug. So just one little gateway drug, aspirin, can explode into five drugs just because you keep treating the side effect, the side effect, the side effect, the side effect. And so unfortunately, the only way to prevent polypharmacy is to not take that first drug. Uh, and for most people, uh, skipping that first drug is, is so easy. When I say so easy, I mean once you skip that first drug, whatever the doctor said you had that he was treating usually goes away on its own with maybe a few more glasses of water. I mean, it's generally pretty mild. Um, but accepting a drug for that condition takes a temporary situation and makes it permanent because obviously the permanent side of the side effects will last for as long as you take the drug, right? You're never going to get better. So that's uh, the thing. First thing is to just don't take the first drug. And the way to not take the first drug is to not show up. And that first drug could be anything. It could be uh, an injection. It could be um, an x-ray test. For example, now when you get an x-ray test, they inject you with dyes. That's a drug. So you need to really not take the first drug. <laughs> Be very, very clear on that. And, you know, doctors say, oh, we just need to do an x-ray. Well, is a drug involved? Well, you got to take this drug to clean yourself out and that drug. Uh, oh, stop right there. We won't be doing that, doctor. Is there anything else? Is there anything else? So this is, that, this is the conversation that you have to have. Is, is there anything else? And you have to be very vigilant because a lot of times doctors will say, okay, well, we won't be doing any, uh, starting any medications today. We need to get some tests done. And then the test will involve you drinking maybe a gallon of some type of uh, drug. And many people have died because the prep preparing them for an x-ray caused so much uh, loss of electrolytes and draining the body their, their kidneys shut down or their heart shut down and they literally just died and I've seen that happen in the hospital where a pers an older person will come in for maybe a barium enema they'll uh, take a bunch of chemicals to empty their bowels and they'll get dehydrated and then to correct that they'll get an IV to hydrate them It'll overhydrate them, throw them in their heart failure, and boom, they die. And this is actually, I've seen this a few times. So any, any, any drug, 
uh, will can and will create the need for even more drugs. So unfortunately, the the thing to do is to stop right there. Just just don't get started. And a lot of times people back and say, well, we have to do this test. So well, doc, what are we going to find out from this test? And he'll tell you. It's okay. What therapy do you plan to start as a result of that information? Doc is like, oh, I don't know. There's no no treatment for that. And you're like, okay, great. <laughs> we don't need to look for that because there's no treatment anyway. So the thing is, if there's no treatment or cure for what the doctor's looking for, then does he, do you care if he finds it? Since he can't be of assistance to you. So why do a test involving uh, drugs, dangerous drugs, to look for something that will not result in improving your health if it's found? And this is a really important concept. Also, the dyes used in these x-ray tests can cause you to have a severe allergic reaction and check out on the spot, just die. And even though maybe you've had the test before a few times, you can still develop an allergy reaction at any point. So the cure for polypharmacy is not to get started. <laughs> we have, Tammy has a comment here. We have, it's so funny, I have to read it. She says, Lord, that's a lot of A's and W's. Now I can see why so many doctors are difficult people. Uh, not you, Dr. Daniels. We love you. <laughs> but excuse my French, but dang, I would lose my mind too if I had to do all that paperwork. And then the MAs, I think medical systems, have to type for the doc now. Ha, huh, we know that. Uh, most of those young girls have no medical training because they, when they try to repeat back to the doctor what the symptoms aren't, Haha, ha, it's never right. What a stupid system. Oh, no, it's not stupid at all. It's brilliant. This is the way you multiply the money. You prescribe one drug, which then needs three more drugs, which then needs nine more drugs, which then needs 27 more drugs, and before you know it, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty profitable. But Judy says, can you get off psychoactive drugs with enemas? Uh, you do need enemas to get off psychoactive drugs. Sometimes they are enough, and sometimes they are not. So enemas are definitely part of the problem, and part of the solution, rather. But the real problem uh, with uh, even getting psychiatric drugs is the condition that led you to go get psych drugs was either malnutrition, not enough nutrition in your food, or uh, toxicity. So I would definitely go with the enemas first and see how it goes. Tammy says, poor doctors are losing their minds. Exactly. So what's happened now is doctors have become just a cog in a system, a interchangeable part. So once you got the standard of care in there where every single doctor is obligated to do the exact same thing for a patient, now second opinion is moot because every doctor becomes identical. And this is the reason for constant repetitive board certification, board testing, repeat the test, repeat the test. You want to make sure this doctor sticks to doing identically what the doctor sitting next to him would do, even though that's the worst thing for the poor patient. So Deborah says, Hi, Dr. Daniels. I've been taking Vitality capsules for two weeks. I take two a day. My bowels are always soft and loose. Is this normal? Absolutely. Keep that flow going and easy, easy, easy. 
which brings up a related topic, which is the availability of vitality capsules. So vitality capsules are now in production. Yay! <laughs> this has been extremely stressful for me as well as everyone else. And so we expect to ship in the next uh, seven to 10 days. So that's very, very uh, exciting. Unfortunately, also, though, the website is down, so it's difficult to order. So we hope to have that problem fixed. Actually, I think in the next day or so, we'll get that fixed. But, um, you know, there are a lot of forces out there that make it difficult slash impossible for you to get helpful information, for you to get reliable information, and for you to get reliable quality of products. This is why uh, extensive testing is necessary to reject products that are not what they say they are. Uh, testing is necessary for heavy metals to reject products that have excessive heavy metals. Uh, it's necessary to test for microbes to reject products that have microbes in them and might make people sick. So it's really important to do all of this testing. Unfortunately, it's not always possible to do these testings all at once. It's a sequential thing. You do one test, the materials that pass the test go on to the next stage, the next stage, the next stage. But meanwhile, if you have an ingredient where all of the materials flunked, you have to go back and resource that ingredient while the rest of the ingredients go through the other test. And so this round with this batch, what has happened is an exorbitant number of ingredients have flunked many of the tests, which is shocking. Usually we have maybe one ingredient here or there that flunks. But this time around, we actually had uh, three ingredients that flunked, that either were not what they said they were, had too much heavy metals, or actually had microbes growing in them. And so this is what has caused the extreme delay. And I, 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 mean, I certainly apologize for the delay uh, and really want to thank people for their patience. And so we are having the two for the price of one sale. We'll have to get those pages back up so we can send out emails and uh, let you know about it. Uh, that is the production thing. Now, there's another thing that's come up. I could probably do a whole radio show on it, but uh, I'll just tell you this one incident. So I was approached by a rather large, really high credibility uh, natural healing group online. They said, oh, Dr. Daniels, we want you to, to show up. We want you to give a talk and da, 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 da. Said, oh, that's really great. Well, what does that involve? And I said, well, no, 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 they said, well, what message, Dr. Jones, did you want to give? Of course, my message is one of hope. It's like, hey, guys, you can do this. You know, you, you, can, uh, you can heal naturally. You don't need to uh, go broke. In fact, a lot of things you can stop spending money on. And she said, oh, well, you know, we're going to charge you $10,000 at least to come to the conference. So you have to give a different message that's going to create enough sales to, to make it worth your while to come. So can you change that message? <laughs> so literally, it, it's just, um, you know, there's just so many things going on out there, um, subtle things, subtle pressures on people to give you a message that's just financial motivated, filled with fear, filled with scare tactics. Um, but today's message is one of extreme hope, which is just say no to the first drug. And again, you have to be vigilant to realize that you're getting a drug. Uh, if someone says, 
it's an x-ray, but you need to take this dye. Or we need to inject this dye. That dye is a drug. Uh, it's just an x-ray, but we need to put some junk up your butt. That junk is a, is a, is a, uh, a drug, and it's going to create problems and complications and the need for more drugs. <laughs> Rebecca says, love you and love Vitality Capsules. Thank you, Rebecca. How do you do the Eyebright Protocol? Eyebright Protocol. You just make some tea, teaspoon of herb, cup of water, steep five minutes, and then uh, you let it cool so you don't burn your eyeball. I strain it and have two eye cups. So each eye cup with Eyebright tea, put it to my eye, lean back, blink, 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 move my eyeballs around. And uh, it's very simple. And, you, and Eyebright is very gentle and very safe, so you can do it easily. You can do it twice a day. Okay, the white says good morning. Glenn says thank you. Rebecca says <laughs> Alicia says good morning, Dr. Daniels, and everyone. Good morning, Alicia. Sarah, good morning. Sarah says not everyone's lucky and has good health. That is true, but as bad as your health may be, the the drugs are not going to make it better, and that's the thing to get. It's not that people are not sick. Of course, people are sick. But the question is, will drugs make them better? The answer to that is no. Alicia says, the website's still down. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Donna says, any news when your regular strength vitality capsule will be shipped? Yes, seven to ten days. We're getting close. Flower Garden says, love you bunches. Thank you, Flower Garden. Gwen Collins says, good information. <laughs> Nicole says, I'm hearing about microdosing LSD for curing lots of things. What do you think of this? Can microdosing work with regular prescribing in many cases? Uh, so again, so what is LSD? It's lysergic dimethylene acid. And it's a chemical. It's a drug. So you have to really get it in your mind. Whatever the problem, drugs are not the answer. Whatever the problem, drugs are not the answer. Whatever the problem, drugs are not the answer. And you really have to be very vigilant. And people will try and sell you this, I call it crap, uh, but it's just a chemical. Excuse me, which flower are you eating? Which root are you eating? Which leaf are you eating? So you're not eating. So when anyone approaches you with, uh, whether it's CBD, which is a chemical derivative of a plant, or whether it's LSD, which is a chemical made in the lab, you gotta say, ah, uh, no, 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 no. Let me, wh wh where's that plant? Let me go get that plant. <laughs> At least start with the plant. And Nicole says, or Lori says, yes, losing their minds. That means the doctor's minds. 
And we go to them, which pays them very well, not me. Thank you, Dr. Jennifer Daniels. You're welcome, Lori. Which brings up another thing. So a lot of people like, oh, God, Dr. Daniels, what do we do? What do we do? So I have a course uh, called Home Health Healers Course, where you can literally heal yourself and your family in the privacy of your home. And I go over the natural ways to handle um, most things people go to the emergency room for. And so literally, they publish a list on the internet, top 23 reasons people go to the emergency room, and for every one of those, there is a simple, inexpensive thing you can do at home involving common household items. <laughs> Amber says, can't wait to get my vitality capsule. Glenn says, finally. Oh, finally, truth. Yes, yes, it's truth. And let's see, Tammy says. <laughs> oh, so Lori says, I just heard a podcast how a lot of companies do not do this testing. Plus, they are public companies on Wall Street and research and data flawed. Because these health companies are publicly owned, the health supplements are not what they say they are. So happy that 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 you, Dr. Daniels, are testing. Yes, I think also when you have um, corporate situations where things are owned by many people and you have investors and blah, 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 there's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure to not test or if the tests come back bad to say, forget it, let's just, you know, sell it anyway. So, it, yeah. So JT fell, slipped, hit her hip, and it hurts what to do. You can alternate hot and cold packs and put some turpentine on that and also make sure you're pooping frequently. <laughs> Nicole says, what about microdosing mushrooms? Again, you're talking about mushrooms, right? Not the active ingredient mushroom. So if it's not a drug, if it's a food, you know, consider it. And we're off to commercial. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. 
Without the right accessories, any guy can be off the mark. Whether you've invested thousands in your arsenal or you own a single trusted firearm, a visit to aroutfitting.com is in order. It's one of the finest online selections of tactical optics and AR parts and add-ons, like EOTech, quick target acquisition with no peripheral loss. Browse the full range of Nikon scopes and binoculars. AirOutfitting.com can illuminate your world with streamlight gun-mounted lights from keychain to large handhelds up to 1,100 lumens. Find some stability with Battenfield Tactical Bipods. AirOutfitting.com has CMMG gun parts, barrels, assemblies, handguards, part kits, and more. Plus magful clips and magazines. I know I've got you excited, so take a breath. Head to AirOutfitting.com. The site's super easy to navigate and features a ton of technical info, including links to manuals. We also welcome vendor and manufacturer inquiries. Remember, if you don't see it, we can get it at AirOutfitting.com. It's happening, ladies and gentlemen. We here at RBN are working with Front Sight Firearms Training Institute to bring our audience the best in combat, tactical, and defensive firearms training. Whether you're a private citizen who is new to firearms or you have a concealed weapon permit and want a level of training that surpasses what you've received from your local gun range, Front Sight provides priceless education and skills taught by seasoned law enforcement, military, and private citizen instructors to levels that far exceed law enforcement and military standard. With nearly a million responsible citizens trained from every town, city, and state from across the United States, Front Sight has bolstered the Patriot movement to a whole new level. Contact Dan Sutterfield by phone at 573-762-2356 or 573-465-2356 or shoot him an email at domedan, D-O-M-E-D-A-N at hotmail.com. This is a limited time opportunity. Don't miss it. And we are doing questions. Let's see. Okay. Lorenzo <laughs> says, Shilajit does not taste good, but you have to drink it fast. That is true. Benny says, I use Vitality Capsules. My asthma is better. My weight is down 50 pounds. How can I now get rid of the rest of my asthma? I do not drink milk or dairy, no meat or eggs. Thanks, Dr. Dance. Okay, so you have to go back and make sure you're not eating any milk substitutes or dairy substitutes or meat or egg substitutes. So the fake meats and the fake milks and the fake cheeses um, can make you very sick. So take a second look at your diet and clear out the uh, clear out all the fake stuff and processed stuff. Even if it's organic, it's still bad news. And then one thing that's really nice for asthma is drinking ginger tea. Tanya Douglas says, my daughter has a bone in her toe that's growing the wrong way. What should I do? They want her to have surgery. So Tanya, the only purpose of toes is to help people balance so they don't fall over. And in our society, all the toe has to do is to fit in a shoe. So if you're able to fit her into a shoe, then you pretty much don't have a problem. Tanya says, would it hurt me to take shoe every day? 
The amount of shielding that one takes is difficult to estimate because the amount you need is so small. So it's a good idea to skip about a day or two a week just to make sure you don't take too many, too much. Okay, so as you mentioned, taking shilajit four times a week when you're taking distilled water. If I'm on aldosterone, so aldosterone moderates salt and electrolyte management. Uh, shilajit is not a salt or electrolyte, so it, the shilajit would not be affected. So the question was, would I need to take more shilajit than your recommended dose? And the answer is no. Renita says, how often do you take shilajit? Truthfully, I should take it more often, but I take it probably once a week. You guys keep me honest. Every week I take my shilajit and my turpentine. I try to take it other times during the week, but I don't always make it. Is shilajit similar to pink salt? No, no relation. What does shilajit taste like? It tastes like asphalt. It does not taste good. <laughs> I'll be honest. JT says, I ordered extra strength vitality capsules a while ago because I did not want to be without them. They are working great. Wonderful. <laughs> All right. Let me go find my uh, my producers. Okay. Let's take a look. Is it possible to stop in the middle of chemotherapy safely? Absolutely. <laughs> Question is, is it possible to continue chemotherapy safely? The answer is probably not. I saw you there oh. Just standing there And I thought I was only dreaming, yeah Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you. And your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Please call 855-253-3748. 855-2-KEEP-IT-TODAY. This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network.